enemies of knowing. All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Live Stream number one. And actually, I was a little confused there, Jason. Uh, was this going to be your all right, man, or my all right, man? Well, this is the live stream. I keep getting a lag out, but I think we're okay. Um, chat room, if we lose audio or something, let us know because uh, I keep having breaks. So uh, here we are on number one. Pretty cool, huh? We're streaming in a few places too. Yep, I'm starting to kind of sort of get the hang of this OBS and to restream out to YouTube and DLive at the same time thing. It all seems to be working, but I don't have cameras to worry about tonight. We just have our logo screen. So if everybody's hearing us loud and clear and seeing us loud and clear, I'm I'm a pleased individual. Well, yeah, well, to be fair, I don't have cameras on any device. Only my cameras have cameras. So um, everyone always complains. But I mean, I, I got all this stuff on purpose. I don't want cameras all over my damn house. Well, there is that. I have one that's built into my iMac Pro, which has come in handy because it's actually a pretty nice one. So that when I finally decided to do live streams, it was right there. I didn't have to do anything. All right. So I guess uh, Rose is going to man DLive or woman DLive, I should say, uh, to be politically correct. But let's uh, talk a little bit about what we're going to do next week before we jump in here. OK, so uh, we've got this video platform now. Uh, and full control anything we want to do so next week we're going to get into some of the very old telescope work i've done uh, people who have followed understand i never changed a thing on youtube i left it and so if my ideas changed i didn't change it i left it so people could see where i've come from uh, we're going to run clips and we're going to readdress them update them for what we think may be correct now and run some of the classic old scope work so that should be pretty cool eh jason yeah, because obviously you were right in the beginning of, of even just trying to poke the bear, as it were. You're trying to understand how things were, what these things were that you were uncovering. So you said and did a lot of things that uh, maybe you wouldn't say now. So it's cool to go back and look at all this stuff and update everything and say, okay, so this is where everything started and here's where we're at five five plus years later. Is that where we're at? Right. Um, I see TJ Trusty there has done the math. Yeah, it's all fives. But uh, if we talk about that too much here, we'll probably get bumped. Mm. Um, but yeah, when we run these clips, some of them are sold. I'm still accepting that satellites are a thing. And I'm still accepting that the tools I'm trying to track them with are actually doing what they say they're doing. Took me a while to realize um, I keep going out and I don't film anything. And then I started to challenge it all. And then put it this way everything fell apart right right and uh well the rest is history right now you've got a movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you've got awards <laughs> i do and I've, I've even got an imdb listing now how how mainstream of me <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm telling the story so i don't know how long ago it was when jason and i were pretty new together <laughs> Jason discovered one day that there was an IMDb listing on me, and he was so impressed. But it wasn't just one. It was like for every episode I've ever done. And he was asking me, how did you do that? And I said, I didn't even know there was one. I don't even know what it means. But it's funny because you were so impressed by that. Now you have one. Um, I don't know if I was impressed, more like amused. <laughs> I just thought it was really, really funny that uh, that, that they had gotten put up there. But I didn't think you were the one that did it. That had to have been a fan. <laughs> well, to this day, I don't even know how you create them, but I assume someone has to. So what they had done is they created an IMDb on Crow Triple Seven, and then they started making one for every episode. And it wasn't even an episode back then. It was just a telescopic clip. 
Um, so there's quite a few listings there. Uh, but do you have anything to mention? Actually, we probably should mention a couple things before we jump in. Uh, tomorrow or uh, Thursday, we've got a Q&A episode that's going to go out. We haven't done it for a long time, and it's actually a very good one. Uh, Rose always listens in as we do it, and she said it was top-notch. Uh, and I've listened back to some of it, but we got so many questions that we're going to address. I don't know, Jason, is it more than 50% of them here tonight? I don't know. Right. Yeah. We only got up to 29 and there are 69, I think, if I remember correctly. Yeah, so there's a lot. We didn't even get halfway in and it's so, a full two hours. So. so things we should mention, tons of people had been asking for the soundtrack to shoot the moon. And so I bugged Jason because I kept getting email so Jason put it up on CD Baby, and we included the music, too, that you heard at the intro. There's three versions of that, um, a short version, a uh, one-minute version, and a three-minute version, and that's all included in the CD Baby soundtrack. Anything else, Jason? Well, I have to say I'm a little disappointed with that. A lot of people were indeed asking, and we've sold three so far. So that doesn't make me want to go drop a couple hundred dollars on CDs, on physical copy CDs, because I don't want to get stuck with several hundred dollars of CDs that we can't then resell. So I'm not sure what to make of that right now. Yeah, so just hold off on getting hard copies. Um, I, don't, I don't know what's going on there either. I must have had 20 to 30 emails overall this time. Um, but anyhow, it's there. We'll see what happens with it. Um, that's all I can think of. You want to jump in and do this thing? All right. So let's get to the subscriber questions. The first one we're going to do is Jack from Scotland. Do you believe it's deliberate that people no longer eat for sustenance? Instead, we eat mainly for pleasure. By we, I mean people in general, of course. Is it just a way to get everyone in the habit of ingesting all the various chemicals the powers that be want inside our bodies? Um, hell yes, to put it bluntly. It's more than that. What's happened here, uh, Jason and I are going to put out an episode 200, and I've been doing for months now research to show where the actual engineered fall of America began, and that will be a coming episode. What's happened here is the 21st century was bookmarked, and I'll get into all of it when we're on the other show where an hour or two can not worry about censorship. Um, the truth of it is, is that we have all been engineered. And if you watch TV, it doesn't matter how much you think you know, you're still being engineered. Um, what's happened is the old kind of human beings that used to exist that had a concern for spirituality as one of their main drives in life, had a concern for what is correct, had a concern for things like violence or sex in public, all that's been engineered out of us. And what it's been replaced with is instant gratification. What do you think this Grubhub and all this <laughs> pizza delivery and all, you know, what do you think that's all about? Yeah, you're right. It's about getting unhealthy food because the fatter we get, uh, the more manageable we are and the, the less lifespan we have to deal with. But not only that, how, how many people remember back when Domino's was going out saying, we're going to fix your city streets? When I saw that, I was like, what? Where are we? <laughs> this is the bizarro world of freaking pizza corporations going to come fix city streets. It shows you the complicit nature of what's gone on here. But, um, yeah, you're not missing the point. But – um, what do you think video games about? What do you think ordering online? Uh, what do you think all this instant gratification has turned us into a different sort of human being and a different sort of society? I mean, what would you say, Jason? Well, so much of what we deal with in modern society is instant gratification, isn't it? That's what the uh, some of the cats behind even Facebook and some of the other uh, 
social media have discussed. They they know that it's it's hitting on centers in your brain that act like a drug, and the food is just just as bad. And of course, you still have some people that try to watch what they they eat, and there there are solid vegetarian movements and even vegan movements, which is you know trying to avoid a lot of the bad stuff, but. Everything, everything in this socially engineered nightmare that we live in, I mean society that we live in, is um, is there for instant gratification. And like I always say, if they don't get you on one thing, they're going to get you with another. Oh, are you into sports ball? Oh, you're not into sports ball. Okay, well, we got we got Star Wars and we got Star Trek. Oh, you don't like that? Well, we've got cop shows. We've got six cop shows of the same name taking place in a different studio that's supposed to be a different city. We've got something to get you, and we will get you. You know, there's another side of this, too. When I was young, the idea by the people we looked to to be adult, and by the way, they were a lot more adult back then. You can even see it in the TV shows. Go look at some old cheesy show like One Adam 12, or Adam 12, I guess it was called. The adults seem more adult-like. You know why? Because they were. Um, we had not been so lowered. But the idea back then was you had to work hard to earn the things you were going to have. And if you did that, when you did work hard and got the things you were after, you valued them a hell of a lot more. What's happened now is we don't work that hard for a lot of the stuff we get, and it becomes throwaway crap that was made in China. Um, You know, it's the whole Home Depot story as well. There used to be tons and tons of privately owned stores that did what Home Depot do. As far as I know where I am, there's one other one that's minuscule called Ace Hardware at this point. But this is... This is outright social engineering, and uh, we will seek in an episode not long after 200 uh, to show where the fall began in earnest for for the United States. That's right. That's totally cool. All right, next up we have Andrew. Would you please reconsider sharing your views on the moon, what it is, and its purpose as it pertains to death and or the afterlife? You've alluded to this several times in the past, but have been understandably hesitant to share. In episode 194, you also seem to imply that you had strong feelings about what you would do upon your death, but again, were hesitant to share and even stated, I don't want to be responsible for that bag of bones, perhaps relating to how it might affect others. Would you please reconsider? Here's the thing, uh, and I'll be blunt. I'm not qualified. I know what I'm going to do with myself, and I know that that could change if I learn more, and I am not going to open my damn mouth and put something out that important, acting like I know certainly, and I don't know certainly. But to get back to the first part of that question, from my point of view, the moon's a luminary. It's what it is. Um, Would I like to know more? Yes. Is it a rock in space? Not from my point of view. And that opens up some disturbing questions because it certainly looks like a rock that's been hit by a lot of other rocks. So if I'm correct in my assertion, along with every other major spiritual tradition that I'm aware of, uh, it's a luminary and it's not that far away, but why would it look like that? And that begins to open up some disturbing questions. To get back to your other part of that question that I'm not gonna take on directly until I know much more than I do at this moment, I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm just not going to do it. Um, I know what I'm going to do. I'll, I'll add this. In old movies, remember when they used to say, oh, someone just died going to the light. Oh, I saw <laughs> my family members in the light going to the light. 
Now, if you remember correctly, they did that for quite a while. Then this other idea started getting introduced. Don't go into the light, man. You go into the light and you're dead and recycled or it's a trap or bad things are going to happen. You can go into a lot of old Eastern um, traditions, spiritual traditions, and I, I count them actually more as mind sciences because these were meditators and people concerned with training the human mind. And there was this idea that when you die, you're going to be in this place and you're going to see lights and these lights can fool you. The bright piercing light, hint, 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 is going to scare you away if you're not a perfectly pure human being. But there's this other light that's kind of inviting. But if you go there, hell to pay. You're coming back or not good things will result. And that's all I'm going to add for right now. What would you add, Jason? You know, we did discuss this in the uh, recorded part of this with the questions. And I think that a lot of what would transpire after you shed the mortal coil, as it were, is probably going to be very unique to the individual, depending upon your own spiritual frequency or your level of enlightenment, whatever you want to call it. And I think what happens then is going to really depend upon you and what kind of individual you truly are spiritually. Yeah, I'm good with it. Let's let's keep going. Next up is Lee in Tampa. My father used to live near Tampa. The lunar illusion. In your experience, do you consider atmospheric lensing to be a factor? What new info has come to light about the second sun, codenamed Theos, moonlight spectrum? We've seen moonlight can be colder than air temps. How much is independently known of moonlight spectrum? Meteor showers. What is that streak of light in the night sky? How do they predict them? Have you ever seen a star just fall from the sky and become a meteor? Falling stars versus shooting stars. What equipment would you recommend under or around $200 for celestial observation? What value have you gained from hallucinogens? All right. I think we're getting ahead of the game here. Let's back I, I, up. I, yeah, you're going to have to go one at a time. Go ahead from the beginning, Jason. So, yeah, let's back up here. The lunar illusion. In your experience, do you consider atmospheric lensing to be a factor? It is a factor, but I don't know to what degree uh, you're referring because there's a lot of science that use these ideas. Um, sure, the atmosphere can lens things. There's no doubt. As a matter of fact, you could be looking at some version of that in my double sun footage. Hard to know. Right. That's one of those things that uh, we need the further experimentation, get more data to figure out. What new info has come to light about the second sun, codenamed Theos? New information, I think we've put out where we're at, but um, for those who are not aware, other people who were trained in traditions all over the world um, came to me after the fact and said, yeah, we knew that. We were, we were told about a second or a source sun uh, when we were initiated, but they weren't offering much more than that. So we have footage, we have comments like that, but we have things like Falconelli. There's a lot there to unwrap, decode, and get your head around. Um, but apparently there are people in traditions in this world that have been told these things. Moonlight spectrum. We've seen moonlight can be colder than air temps. How much is independently known of moonlight spectrum? All kinds of information. Go back and get a book called Zetetic Astronomy written over 100 years ago by a, by a nom de plume parallax. His real name is Samuel Robotham. Um, they all day long show all the tests they did to prove that moonlight was cooler than sunlight. Not only that, at one point they magnify it through a telescope or other device. I think if I remember correctly, something on the order of 500 to a thousand times and the thermometer dropped even with that intensification of the light. It's been known for a long time. It's just hidden. Meteor showers. 
What is that streak of light in the night sky? How do they protect them? Have you ever seen a star just fall from the sky and become a meteor? Falling stars versus shooting stars. Yes, we have. My wife used to see those all the time where she was looking at a star and and it would suddenly fall. I don't accept meteors, the idea of anything coming from so-called space into our atmosphere. I don't accept it. From my point of view, it's likely there's a hard, fast barrier. And from my point of view, it's quite possible that space is better described as a liquid. Um, And I'll tell you this. Back in the day when we used to see what we call a shooting star, almost always they were white or some version of white. Um, When I started using my scope a lot, we saw I don't even know how many because you're out there all the time. And they started to look pastel, greens and weird colors like that in pastel. But I don't think I've seen what we call a shooting star come down towards Earth in as long as I can remember. They're parallel. And so how can anything traveling parallel to the ground um, be considered a something falling? And that's not 100% true. I have seen that are some that are angling, but there it is. From my point of view, there, there's nothing coming to our world from space and never has been. Uh, Jay Armstrong is asking, is it what is considered Mercury, the second sun? Uh, I would say no. No, no, probably not. Um, you can see Mercury. Uh, it's, it's bright when it's not. Not very far above the horizon. It's once and we were staring at the sun and Mercury was actually translating. We could, or transiting, we could see it with our eyes. Uh, Mercury is tiny compared to the sun, just so you know. Right. And if you've seen the footage of the second sun, they look nothing alike. Last part of this, uh, what equipment would you recommend under or around $200 for celestial observation? What value have you, oh, that's another one. Got another question for that. (laughs) All right. Okay. So here's the thing. Most reputable telescope shops, and by the way, there are getting to be fewer telescope shops in the same way there's getting to be fewer bookstores. We're headed for a dumb, dumb dark ages with this new digital era we've entered. Pretty soon it's got, like I was, I spent three hours today trying to find a damn book. I kid you not, it's censored. Uh, It's not just censored at Amazon, it's censored all over the place. The entire author is, by the way. Um, But to get back to the point, if you have a reputable scope shop, and it doesn't matter because everyone's online, so you could use something like OPT in Oceanside, California. There's some big ones in New York. Um, you can ask them what they have that's used. My choice for filming the night sky will always be the Schmidt cast grain. It's just handy. It's got a short tube. It tracks. It does all these things. Truth is, if you want to shoot the sky and you're going to be serious about it, you want to do eight inches or better. Uh, if you get four to six, it'll do the job, but you'll outgrow it pretty quickly. If you're only going to do the moon, then four to six is fine. I'm talking inches here. If you're serious, eight inches or better. Schmidt cast grain. Do not, and I repeat, do not buy Mead telescopes. I fell for it. My first scope was a Mead. It was made in America with American steel, and it was a scope that still works to this day. I later bought in the new millennium, a 12-inch mead, and it did nothing but fail. And I mean fail big. They were coming up from Tijuana, hint, hint, where the factory now resides, owned by a Chinaman, I believe. Um, So look at Celestron, look at the other names, not mead. That's what I can tell you. By the way, if you really only have $200 to spend, you could always get a Nikon B, B as in boy, 700 Coolpix. It's kind of like the predecessor to the P900s and the P1000s. That's got a super zoom on it. If you're just looking to take some decent pictures, that will get you in on the moon and even looking at stars and planets somewhat. 
All right, what value have you gained from hallucinogens? Um, none. Well, uh, I, I want to say, here, here's my problem, man. We live in the West, and in the West, we were programmed in the 60s when drugs came to be a big part of this country. And let me tell you something, drugs were not a big when you see things like back to the future where those guys are smoking reefer in the car that's about what you know there was not a lot of open drug use before the 60s from where we grew up and how we think about drugs it's about getting high if you want to use a hallucinogenic and by the way why would anyone think they could drop acid you don't even know what the chemical is what the dose is nothing do you know about it? So if you're talking about possibly mushrooms or ayahuasca, here's what I say every time. Um, I did these things, some of them, and for the most part, I didn't gain anything except the perception that there's a lot more the human mind can do. But for the most part, without a, I'll just say a shaman or a shaw woman or some experienced person who's taken a spiritual interest to actually further the human mind and human abilities, don't take hallucinogens, man. That's what I will say. Well, and the last part of that is, what is your opinion of Albert Hoffman and the LSD phenomenon? <laughs> Well, it's it was engineered. Yeah. It was a hundred percent engineered, and not only that, it wasn't the same thing all the time. It was being manufactured in the unit. You know, look at it this way. So, parents and grandparents spent money to send their kids to university to get educated in the '60s, and that very many of those very universities were pumping out LSD and warping their damn minds. And by the way, sometimes those people were never the same. I know people that were never the same because you don't know what they've made in a lab somewhere. And things like blotter acid, where it's basically a piece of paper where someone takes an eyedropper and puts one, two, three, who knows how many drops. You don't know dosage. You don't even know for sure what you're taking. That whole thing was to engineer society and destroy the family unit and further the drug culture and at the same time be guinea pigs a lab experiment for the people who were putting it out there's nothing i will i will never have anything good to say about it. i grew up in an era where now when i look back at the people i knew when i was young more than half of them are dead or their lives were ruined and drugs are at the center of that well here's the thing about it, especially lsd but it did get into other hallucinogens as well this isn't even conspiracy theory. Just go look. Go look at the mainstream reports on it with Timothy Leary and all the stuff they did. That was intentional. And they talk about how it was intentional with the acid tests going on with a band called the Warlocks, shortly, who shortly thereafter became the Grateful Dead. There's a whole lot of stuff that's in the mainstream record that's not even conspiracy anything. Ken Kesey, well, all these cats. It's it, This was all, all on purpose. All on all, all proven CIA or FBI assets. The yeah, they have connections dead. somewhere. Even if they weren't directly on the CIA payroll, they were working for people who were. So no matter what, it's all connected. So It's all connected. And those are the same names that started the film. What, what was the first festival? The Monterey film, uh, Pop Festival. Yeah. Everyone on the stage, in the audience that's a famous name, is in on the game. I hate to tell you, um, I just had someone run a nasty clip about me because I had the gall to say the band America pre-echoed <laughs> Prince's demise. But anyhow, that's I addressed nice that actually. I did. I just did an interview with Mark Devlin the other day. He's going to be putting out in a day or so. He was 
uh, he, he messaged me this morning saying he was really happy with what we discussed because I, I broke things down from a studio engineer's uh, point of view. If anybody doesn't know, uh, I did musical retail for a long time and I've been a studio engineer for about two decades. Not that I'm so great that I would be winning Grammys, but I'm really into the uh, understanding of how things are created in the studio. And we broke some modern stuff down and it's it's pretty creepy. As a matter of fact, Rose is here listening to it and she was even seeing uh, effects in herself. Just the, the hypnoticness of it is bleh. It's yucky. It's totally yucky. Next up, we have Brian. If we consider the possibility of this place that we exist is some type of school or boot camp, then we can deduce that the goal or purpose here is to graduate. My question is, do we have any examples of people who have accomplished this goal? Surely it's not a Deepak Chopra, Gandhi, or Dalai Lama figure. Who can I model myself after? From this point of view, it appears to me that the only people who know how to graduate are the ones that are doing their best to enslave us. Are there examples of people who have graduated, or is it that we all have to accomplish this goal collectively? That seems unlikely to happen. The closest answer I can find is that all the ancient texts point towards the sky clock in an allegorical way to illuminate our path to enlightenment. We all come into this world alone and naked for the most part. There are a few exceptions. For the most part, we all go out the same way. Um, from my point of view, it's on you. And this is what the dumbing down, the de-evolution of the world for a world takeover that's coming is about. When you're fat and drugged out and unhealthy and unhappy and all the things that we all complain about all the time, are you more likely to graduate from high school or less likely? Are you more likely to be a dropout? That's what's going on here. And yeah, there's endless examples. Uh, I'm not going to cite them, but you rightly pointed out that the leaders in this age, if you're going to be a leader, you're going to be co-opted. Otherwise, you'll be removed and replaced with a leader who is a co-opted. And I hate to say that because people like the Dalai Lama, most of us really want to think there's a man who's completely free of all this nonsense. That age is gone. If you're talking to endless minds on any platform, you're co-opted or controlled in some way. Um, that's all there is. That's the age we've, we've come to exist in. There is not a spiritual tradition that I have looked at seriously, and I've looked at a lot, that don't have examples of nirvana, enlightenment, going to heaven, you know all the words. You know all the words that I'm just going to regurgitate right now. These are your examples, but you rightly point out you don't want to go to the big names, the sources. You want to go back to those old texts, and this is the problem. These things are going away. As a matter of fact, I will urge each of you, if you know of important PDFs or topics on PDF that are a little offbeat, download them and save them. These things are going away. Censorship is going to be around the corner at a level that you won't even understand the extensiveness. Right now, when you go to Amazon, there are so many books that are not even on the shelves. And so you figure, oh, I'll just go online. Go ahead. Find a bookseller that can still get them. Because when Amazon removes it from the shelves, uh, there's only so many limited pressings because they have the power to push what's going to get printed and what's not. Because most of the world's books are starting to go through places like this. And this is the problem. When the last library closes its doors, we will experience a version of the barn wall in animal farm like never before dreamed because everything will be digital and anything digital can be changed. We already see versions of it. So there's my rant. Well, I, I actually boil this down to something really simple. Don't be a jerk. Just be cool to yourself and to those around you. And that is the best you can possibly be. 
don't be selfish. Don't be a prick. You know, just think about what you're doing before you do it. That's what I try and do, and I, <clears throat> I find it's a pretty easy philosophy to live by. That's there's there's one more thing I wanted to add there. Yeah, you rightly pointed out that that what people like to call the elites or the controller. Yeah, those people are far beyond us. They are well beyond what we used to be as a society. When we used to actually see adults in the room or portrayed on TV, the adults seemed more adult, like they're far beyond this because they never lost the old information. But here's the thing, all these traditions that I've studied where people are getting out, you have to have the concern for this creation that we live in, which means all living things. You have to have that concern, that respect. And as far as I can tell, if you're lying and cheating and doing what we see done, are you really going to get a key to the door out of here? Or are you more like stuck here and trying to make sure you have company? You know, that, that's the way I'm viewing it. I don't accept a true spiritual path that doesn't have concern for all living things. I don't accept it. Um, just get that on the record. Next, we have Climber 48. Crow777 and Jason, earlier you did some work on the moon and possibly the sun being some sort of gateway. I can't remember if you mentioned that it was on the solstices or not. The late Tracy Twyman also mentioned it in one of her podcasts. Could you possibly elaborate on this and if you have thought any more about it? You know, you've got an actual gentleman, and I guess I won't call him out, in, in the chat room right now who's done way more work on the gates than I have. My problem is is that we're running a pretty big ship here these days, and to deliver at the level we try to deliver, the research, the communication, the running of a website, the prep for the next show never ends. But there are people, one of them I know certainly is in the chat with you on YouTube right now, has done a lot of work on what's called the gates, the idea of the silver and golden gates. I think it may have shifted in his research a little bit. Originally, my idea was the silver gate is the autumnal equinox, the golden gate, named for the bridge, of course, is the spring equinox. Um, there have been impressive ideas about which luminaries are in these gates and how does that reflect against world events. So to put, to put a response out there, there are others who have spent way more time, but on the forums of Crow777radio.com, most of the work, these people that are far advanced from what I've had to do, their work is, is there on a private server behind a paywall, so it can't be censored for now anyhow. That's what I can add. Second question. In the last few years, I have watched a series of YouTube videos by Cryon Last. That's C-H-R-I-O-N, second word L-A-S-T. In fact, that was the first place I heard about the placenta being a flat cake. My question is, do you think that the individual sperm that do not fertilize the egg are released into the electronic sea and need to be rescued by Jesus? If you think about it, each ones have the potential to become incarnated souls. Well, they, they actually don't, though, because uh, either you this, – this world works on gender. Uh, I'm going to be doing more work on this as well. Very few people are aware um, that one of the occult driving ideas for all the places we point out all the time is a star called Sirius, which links back to ancient Egypt. Um, as a matter of fact, Caitlyn Jenner came out as that star was doing its helical rising for the year, hint, 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 because there's a transgender idea attached to it. The problem is, is that in this world, it takes a male and a female to make a new generation. The most important thing, 
Name something more important than reproduction to continue uh, a species or human beings or anything. What's happening now is they're trying to do gender confusion, and that is, in fact, reducing the birth rate. But to get back to your point, those are not potential new lives anymore because they have not met with the egg. They are potential in as much as they have a possibility to meet the egg. When the possibility to meet the egg is gone, their potential is gone. Now, the energy referred to, I can't tell you. Yeah, nothing, you know, as far as I know, energy can't be destroyed. So your point is well taken. The energy, or what might even be called soul in some traditions, um, something becomes of it. Is it absorbed? Is it released back or, or whatever? But I want to be very clear here. The potential of any sperm that no longer has the opportunity to meet with the egg no longer has potential from my point of view. Well, I, I think sperm, you just have to kind of look at it as part of the equation, not the equation. It's it's genetic material that still needs to to mate its match, meet up with its match to... Uh, to do anything so that's the way i kind of see it and then you gotta have male you gotta have female right that's the only way it works no matter what any crazy person might tell you in this day and age that's a fact a provable fact next up is amanda what do you think of the idea that there really is only one being one creator one god and we are all just aspects of this one being like we are all thoughts in the mind of god the creator is experiencing every possible outcome through many, many facets of itself. Like there is really only one of us in the room. Or do you think we, mankind and all animal and plant life, are separate entities, individuals, apart from the one who created existence? I know it's a big question, but I'd like your take on it. Nope, I'll take it backwards. Everything is connected. I've proved it beyond the shadow of doubt for myself, and I've seen old spiritual allegories and tales that have done the same thing. Um, I've covered a few of them. But to get to the point, um, when I get in front of this microphone, I speak to a lot of people sometimes. And what's important to me is respecting anybody's spirituality. Because you know something? When spiritual, like right now, the Catholic Church is actively reducing forms of Christianity. When we lose people's spiritual paths and the places where they practice, regardless of whether you think they're on the right vein or not, they are still practicing spirituality. When that gets caged, I'll tell you what's coming next. Artificial, transhumanism, all these things that are a nightmare to me. So I won't go any further than that. My spirituality is my own. I have a concern for all living things, but I also have a concern for any human being anywhere in this world of any tradition that is not harming things that is on a spiritual path. That's their choice, not mine. So I don't want to be blunt, but I've got to be careful how I speak um, in a position that I'm in. You know, the other day I saw a YouTube channel with two YouTube channels. One had 500,000 followers. The other one had about a quarter of a million, and I saw them do a hit video on someone. And the first thing I thought is that is so shameful, I don't even know what to say about it. When you get to be that big talking to that many people and you do something like that, you don't deserve to have your platform anymore. You've broken the, the code that everyone should know without being told. So in short, my point of view, we are all connected. I feel it is provable. And I mean everything, every tree, every worm, every everything, every human being, we're all connected. 
Um, and secondarily, if there's a human being on a spiritual path, it needs to be respected. Because if you attack it and that spiritual path disappears, woe to all of us. So I'm going to go back to what I always say and that I think that everything is frequency and everything and everyone exists in different frequency, exist on di- as different frequencies, but they all interact. And in that, taking it from that point of view, yes, we're, we are all part of a greater whole, I guess you could say. And uh, this goes back to the whole just be cool to everybody because what frequency you're vibrating at, how high your frequency is, it kind of relates to what we always say, higher mindedness. That's just another way of saying a higher frequency. You're, you're, You're trying to be a better person and becoming a better spiritual being as a result of that. Yeah, and I'll tell you another thing. Um, I've spent my whole life researching and trying to learn. I can't tell you how much I've learned from other cultures, other older traditions, some traditions that are no longer with us, some that aren't even really particularly paths that I'd like to follow. But nonetheless, they had things of value for me to accept and learn from. And in some cases, it was a bad example. In most cases, it was a good example. And what you've got to realize is if you come to the conclusion we're all connected, then you damn well better view this place as a creation and everything in it made by the creator. And if you know that and you disrespect something, that's on you. Absolutely. Totally agree there. Next we have Jay. Besides a religious book, what book would you save from a book burning? Hmm. People ask me these questions all the time, and it's so hard. Um, gosh, I, I don't know. You know, I, I want to say something. There, there's so many. One of the books that I recently held up was the book that I mentioned earlier, so I'll just go with that, Zetetic Astronomy. And the reason is not only did the guy say over 100 years ago, damn near everything I've said, doing the same thing, observing firsthand, but the first three pages tell the truth that we have lost in scientism. Theories are not science. Theories are ideas that are not proven. It's what they are. What is science is firsthand observation and the ability to say this is or it isn't based on firsthand observation. The first three pages of that book have been lost and I think they're critically important because if everybody got back to that kind of common sense reality, I imagine the changes would ripple through all levels of society and all this nonsense and the stuff we all accept is correct when we shouldn't, that would start to go away. The, the biggest problem of our time is we all accept illusions and lies and don't know any better, have been taught not to know any better, when in fact everything should be challenged and everything should be subject to firsthand observation if it's possible. Next we have Becky. Have you ever watched the show The Man in the High Castle? I am going to guess no, but I have. Then you better take it because I've never even heard of it. I watched some of it. It's actually a television show that's a direct takeoff of the Philip K. Dick book of the same name. I just got bored with it. Uh, it's an alternate history kind of thing where the uh, the fascists won World War II and some kind of alternate timeline is leaking through because someone finds a film that they're passing around of the Americans winning the war, putting up a flag and that kind of thing, like the blowing up the Nazi, uh, uh, the, the symbol on top of the building, like the, the, the normal things that everyone's seen. And I never got through the rest of it. And I don't know how accurate it is to the book because it's just a single novel that Philip K. Dick wrote. But I mean, it was, it was interesting enough. If you like that sort of thing, I just got, I get bored with most stuff these days just because uh, they're the drawing it out and, uh, 
you know, uh, modern stuff. Man. <laughs> Next, yeah, I can't. I, I can't add anything there. Next, we have well, the one thing I will say is Philip K. Dick definitely seemed to be tuned in from time to time and in, in, in some pretty esoteric ways, and definitely was a deep thinker. Well, I, I can I can say that for sure. Well, there's something to that as well. There was Radio Free Albemuth, which got made into not quite a mainstream movie, where basically the narrative there tells you that the powers that be take over the work of very popular authors that may not even be alive anymore. If they are, they're not writing the books anymore. And that was straight out of Philip, supposedly Philip K. Dick's um, Radio Free Albemuth. Yeah, so I, I saw that, that a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. that one's pretty pretty close to the. Um, to the actual story. And you can tell because it's kind of got that strange, almost awkwardness that Philip K. Dick's writing does. Most, most uh, movies that have been made based off of his works, they tweak the hell out of and make them more mainstreamy. And, and Philip K. Dick didn't really, really write all that mainstreamy to be honest with you. But yeah. next we have Chatham's first question. You speak a lot of alchemy when talking. Do you have good starting points? There are tons of resources out there, and I have gone through a few, but how about a good foot forward to begin the research? If you're serious about this, I want to say a couple things. When I talk about alchemy, um, it's because of the woe that we all live under now, a thing called scientism. It's no different than your evening news most times. Alchemy existed as a science that was coupled with spirituality and refused to ever go further than nature would allow. In other words, it had complete respect for the natural world. That's why I reference it. But more so, every single thing you see done in this world that you don't like, that's coded, that's hidden, is using alchemical mind principles. The negredo, the breaking apart, the alchemical wedding, the big reveal showing what was not known or what was hidden. These are alchemical principles that are being done to all our minds, which is why my episode image always say transmuting the world mind into fantasy-based alchemical reality or something like that. Um, this is the point. If you want to take a look, a good place to start is with plants. There's a book called Spagyrics, and it's really interesting for the following reason. Spagyrics is the alchemy of the plant kingdom. But alchemy is the same for the most part, the procedures and the ideas. The idea being if you were making some medicinal thing, you could also be learning how to apply that to your person. But the man called Manfred Junius, because most high-level alchemists take a Latin name, so Manfred Junius is the author of Spagyrics. He shows all the glassware that you need to do it, but he is a chemist. Hint, hint, hint. So he can do things like say, well, in chemistry, we call it hydrogen. And here in alchemy, it was referred to as this. And it shows an important part of the world that you were never taught in school. And to be perfectly blunt, these are the weapons that have changed all into. Uh, that talks about that kind of stuff. I just don't remember the title off the top of my head. But look up Jay Widener's work. Gets into alchemy a lot and gets into uh, a lot of the stuff with the cathedrals as well. And he references a book, an older book about the cathedrals that get into, gets into alchemy, so that might be of interest to you as well. My apologies for not knowing off the top of my head. Next part, next question, I should say. I've been reading much more about the nature of the world and its relationship with numbers. I teach math. Please don't hate me. I also won't get started on the general direction education has taken. Brave new world, yes. Transhumanism, yes. Logical, no. I can only assume that the well, what this person means by that is uh, the common core math, which is just atrocious. 
I find myself battling what I know, what I think is false, and how to move forward with my job of helping children think and break free of the constraints they are left in. Crow and Jason, there is a crisis in education mixed with the control of social media, music, television, and the dumbing of thought. It is real, and I see it and battle it every day. With that, do you see education becoming being salvageable? I see scores of new teachers less educated than before. <laughs> no new thought or knowledge accredited to them. They follow lock and step. Yeah, I can all, only imagine what the nutcases coming out of college these days are like. You know, this problem is not going away and it's going to get worse. And any person looking at social media, TV, or any of the streaming, anything is being programmed whether they know it or not. With keywords, without chemical procedures, people have no idea. They really don't have any idea. I know certainly if I stop to watch something on television, which I don't do very often, I actually consciously understand I'm about to be programmed in some way that I might not even fully understand. That's a fact. But here's the thing, as I thought about the problem, because there were a lot of teachers in my family, I went in the avenue you were going down and then I finally realized something one day. The most valuable things that I ever came to know were taught to me by my father or I taught myself. And so what that tells me is the idea of this decentralized information age, which is now coming into heavy censorship, is the idea of gathering information. Maybe it's more important to instill in young people the need to know more, the need to learn more, and the fact that you can teach it to yourself um, in this age. There's a video on anything. Um, unfortunately, right now we can get most books, but that's becoming a problem too. The point I'm making is the, is the system, it was engineered to where we are. It fell in less than a generation from where it was to where it is. It was falling slowly from where it was in my grandparents' time down to where it was when I was in grade school. It had already fallen some. But from that time to this, it has just gone off the edge of a cliff to the point where children aren't even taught cursive writing. And of course, all the founding documents that are held up as so important are all written in cursive writing. You can see what's going on here. My main point, if a young mind wants to learn and always wants to know more, maybe that's the best we can hope for um, because certainly you can't walk into a job and start talking about a world that's not a globe or any other thing. You'll lose your job, and there's the catch-22. Let's just say the common core is mind poison in every way, shape, or form, especially the way they make the young kids do math. They're even screwing it up left and right and getting different answers because they overcomplicate it on purpose, which, of course, makes the majority of them hate it more than we might have at that age when it was just straightforward. Second of all, if you look at what colleges and universities have become now, good God is full of just nut jobs, turning kids into more nut jobs. And that, of course, is going to get passed on to the children they're teaching. So I don't think we need to say much more about that. Indeed. Next up is K99Bill. This is more of a comment than question regarding the sharing of information with people who haven't woken up. I've had some luck pointing out how ex-presidents, party leaders, royal family members, and business leaders lead very healthy lives well into their 80s and 90s. People find it easy to accept that they are being denied medical technologies available only to the elite. Warren Buffett claims to drink a six-pack of cherry Coke and eat hamburgers every day. The elderly elite are healthy and produced too. Thanks for all that you do. 
<laughs> yeah, I would have to say that the old queen there looks better at 90, whatever she is, than I'm going to when I look 60. <laughs> there's, there's no doubt. But, you know, I, I remember a story way back. There was a complaint that the Communist Party in charge of China was taking all the organic foodstuffs for themselves. And, of course, I don't live there, so I don't know if it's true. But I think it's about a few things. I've thought for a long time. Have you ever picked up just random pieces of food in a supermarket and looked at all the symbols and numbers on it that no one seems to know what they mean to include the kosher marks, which no one seems to know, certainly. And by the way, there are a crap load of different kosher marks. I've looked for years to try to find an authority who could, beyond doubt, decipher the kosher marks. I've seen versions of it, but not enough to sway me. My point is, is it possible that someone in the know could walk into a store, see the symbol and say, oh, not eating that. Um, and of course, the whole medical thing. By the way, cymatics. This is where cymatics comes in. It's been demonstrated that at certain frequencies will destroy cancer cells. What if, and this has been encoded into cathedrals and other places, there are certain known cymatic frequencies that if they're regularly applied to the human body, they put you back in tune. You know, the idea that that little mitochondria on the end of the little part of your body that determines when you're going to die, it gets shorter and shorter and shorter as you get older. What if you got hit with cymatic patterns and the shortening of the tip of that thing didn't occur at the same rate or something to this effect? And I will also point out, must have been 20 years ago, I had been reading about this old Indian thing where supposedly people, human beings that were high meditators could eject their consciousness into other bodies. Actually, the Dalai Lama, something like 20 years ago, named it. And I, he, it was funny because I knew no one knew the name of it. I knew it because I'd been studying it. Um, he said it was getting to be a lost art. And I thought, what a strange thing to say. You know, nobody here understands that word. Nobody here understands that you're talking about a human being ejecting their consciousness. But apparently there is an old art that goes all the way back to India with a name of its own that was about this very thing. So, yeah, I think the powerful people know the old ways, have the old secrets um, and probably eat a hell of a lot better than our. I'm pretty sure they're not going to the VA for their medical care, too. Yeah, right. I can only imagine uh what they do to vets there. It's kind of, kind of sad, really. I can tell you. Well, it ain't yes, you good. Can. Right. Do you want to share anything about that? Nah. Nah. All right. We will let move that on. dead horse. Yeah. Let that dead horse lay around on his own. All right. Next we have from hey, Lacey. Be What's that? Before you jump in um, at the top of the hour, can we take like a short break? Or are we going, we're doing two hours, right? Yes. Okay, if we're doing two hours, we need to work in at the top of the hour, uh, I don't know, a three-minute break or whatever. No worries. We can do that. Right. All right. Next is from Lacey. Hello, Crow and crew. I have a feeling that free energy shouldn't be as hard to figure out as it is made out to be. I think it has probably been censored and trained out of us before we could truly question it. What do you guys accept about accessing free energy a la Tesla? Also, why are wisdom teeth named what they are? That's a, I've wondered about that a long time. Um, for when I got into the Marine Corps, the first thing they wanted to do was pull out my wisdom teeth, and I always wondered about that. Um, but to get back to your first thing, here's what I've realized about the life of a human being. Um, I never went along with things, and I'm not good with authority, and I'm not good at being told what to do. Um, and so I spent a lot of time thinking about things. 
And a lot of people look at me and think, how do you know that? Well, it's nothing amazing. It's because I had time that I made for myself and I applied. And it's my opinion that anyone who didn't have to work a third of their life, sleep a third of their life, and then screw with everything like licensing and tax and all the other things that get that third of life that you have free would have time to look at things. And you're right. Things like free energy probably wouldn't be that hard. The human mind is a hell of a thing when it has time to focus. And so much of the programming and the lowering of the human mind and the violence and the fear porn is designed to ensure that the limited amount of brain cycles we have in a human life is reduced every single day. Every Facebook post, every television show, every streaming, anything has robbed a brain cycle from looking at things like, hey, could I make free energy just to make a fine point? Yeah, you know, I think a lot of it this actually comes down if you look at magnets i think i think you can get motors that worked incredibly well just with playing around with the uh, the, the same and and opposing push pull of magnets the, the 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 two poles and i've seen people kind of work on those concepts and p- people who are smarter than me probably have figured that out or at least are working on it and think about that because that would make a nearly frictionless thick yeah let's, let's say that right frictionless device all right right I'll add one more thing. Uh, One of the things from my lifelong studying is that I currently accept there's only one force here in this place we call the world. That's electricity. Uh, Magnetism or electromagnetism might be considered the daughter of that only force. So basically, we have electricity and forms of magnetism. And by the way, I'm reasonably sure magnetism isn't described correctly either. There's an old book from the 30s or 40s called The Universal One. Um, for most people, it's not going to be a good read. Um, it's very, it's not, it's not easily digestible, but the ideas in it are unique and it's back near before the modern edit, but he says these things too. And I'd come to these conclusions before I ever saw his work. And by the way, he doesn't accept the periodic table, which makes me happy all day long. And, uh, wisdom teeth are named that because it's the last ones to come in, right? When you're older, after you get your other set. I think that's your, really what your guess in. is better than mine. That's that's all I know. I don't I don't know anything more esoteric to it. But as far as I know, different people get their wisdom teeth at different times. Long at, usually long after you've got your adult teeth. But all right, we'll do one more and then we'll take a break. Okay. Dean is our next contestant. Come on down. Not so much question, but a request. Could you guys elaborate on the idea of controlled opposition and how to distinguish from real truthers? Oh, yeah. nothing too difficult, right, man? There are so many out there mixing truth with nonsense and makes it makes it impossible to really get behind a movement. For instance, they might be anti-vax, but support bogus climate science as just one example of many. Our group is struggling with this concept and are wondering who is behind all of this. Maybe I can reframe the way we think about what you just said. Would you rather join a movement that you think is correct or would you rather know things? For me, I'd rather know things, which is why I don't join movements. Um, Part of doing your own thing and not planning to link up in some official way. um, And by the way, in the modern age with the decentralized Internet, you make a group, you made a target if someone doesn't like what you're doing. Very easy to send in unhelpful people or do any number of things to that now official group that has, for lack of better terms, an address or a location that someone can get at them. My point being, what needs to happen from my point of view is minds need to change. That's the entirety of the work Jason and I do is designed in this way. We do the best research we can. We 
stand behind what we've put out unless we make a mistake. Then we stand up and say, sorry, I made a mistake. And we offer a different way to think about things. And if a mind finds that there's value there, then maybe they can take it, challenge it, and see if they find value. So maybe it is better to take in information and work on yourself to get to the point where you recognize nonsense. Because if you quit believing in things, after about a year, I swear to you, the way your brain works or the chemistry or however you want to describe it changes and you start to get almost like a smell of something burning in the kitchen. Something's not right here, right out of the gate. First five words I heard, I know something's not right here. Doesn't give you all the answers, but that's all I need these days. If something's not right, I'm not interested because I want what's right. That's what I want. So of course people are gonna gravitate towards groups and do these kinds of things, but maybe the main goal should be training yourself to be able to understand what is acceptable and what is not, more than being concerned whether a group is correct or not, because no group's gonna get it 100% right all the time anyhow. I think it all comes down to your own discernment. Uh, plus, don't forget, people are people. They're fallible. They, they're going to make mistakes. So even if someone's fall, falling for the nonsense climate change, it might be because they actually just give a hoot and are falling for some of the nonsense that's pushed out there and they're just not realizing what it is yet. So keep that in mind. You have to get really dialed in with your own discernment and, and really feel things out, what's right and what's not right for yourself. And uh, that's the best thing I can say. You got anything to add or shall I roll the music? All right. Well, as everyone knows, we're going to do a two-hour show, which typically means Jason and I drink too much coffee. There's a bad habit. Um, and so we need a break at the top of the hour to give some of that coffee back. Um, what are we going to do here, Jason? Are you going to run the three-minute clip? Is that the idea? Yep. I'll run the uh, theme music. Everyone can get pumped up all over again and then we'll come back for the second half if we've been running on the fringe hello and goodbye i i, don't, I didn't follow up with joe roop to see if we actually were going out for this first episode hopefully we were because we really like joe and the fringe fm right okay there it is we'll be back in three minutes or when this song is over basically
belief is the enemy of knowing. Um, did we lose all audio in the chat? All audio in the chat. I'm not sure what you mean. Can you hear me? Okay, you guys can hear me. I don't know why the music quit. I guess we're going to wait a minute for Jason. Um, it's going to be cool next week to be able to go back through some of that old footage and have this platform to share it out and update ideas, particularly so many of those things that I shot. Um, I accept that they're all in our atmosphere, hey, so um, that'll be interesting. Are you back with us, Jason? I I've been here. Rose touched it and wasn't supposed to. That's okay. I guess she can do that if she wants. But anyway, yeah, I had OBS muted, and she thought the Skype wasn't muted. And, uh, well, anyway. We're back. We are back. We are on question 42. How are we doing here? We've gotten through 13, 12 questions. 12 questions so far. We got a lot of questions. Well, we asked twice, so we got what we asked for, didn't we? We certainly did. So shall we move on? Let's do it. Next is from Tyler. I am wondering if you know anything about Siddha medicine, S-I-D-D-H-A, or Ayurvedic medicine. Yeah, um, actually, that's among a lot of the old studies I did that go back into ancient India and other places. And by the way, if you have caught our episodes with Dr. Franco Lina, he has Ayurvedic training. Um, Dr. Franco Lina was one of the first people after I did the double sun uh, clip, finally, when another person confirmed it. I shot it in 2016. Must have been 2019 when I posted it, I'm guessing. Um, Dr. Lina said, yeah, I already knew that. <laughs> I was told in my training. So um, when you listen to the Dr. Lena episodes, there's a man, Ayurvedic, is part of his training. How about solidified mercury and other yogic alchemical practices? I'm not qualified. I'm not touching that. Um, you need someone who knows what they're doing. Uh, these things, as far as I know, can be dangerous. I think we should point to Dr. Lena again because he's, he's, I think, gone through a lot of this stuff, right? He has. The problem with Dr. Lena is is he's such a rare commodity and he's in Italy um, that he, he can't even take on extra email. That's how busy he is. So that becomes the problem with become such a valuable resource. Everybody wants you. The state of samadhi or leaving one's body voluntarily and consciously. These are the yogic sciences. I would love your eye on this topic. I've, I've covered these things. Um, I'll talk about a thing here for a second. I've been running my forum for probably close to four years on crow777radio.com. I've had to bump two people in all that time out of the forum. Um, one of the biggest problems has become religion. Um, it's a crapshoot. If people feel like you've talked about this other spiritual path but not the one they're interested in, then you start catching all this heat. And I find I'm constantly in a balancing act. Like when I had Munya on, it was the same old thing. Um, people wanted to come in and down it. Why are you covering this nonsense? Well, I don't feel like it's nonsense. I feel it's important. I feel like I can learn things from another culture that's so old. Um, so I am totally with you all day long. I spent a lot of years studying these ideas. To me, the spiritual paths that go back through old India and other places um, that had a lot to do with meditation. And by the way, early Christianity, too. People forget back when they were taking vows of silences or the idea of a monk in his cell. What do you think that's about? That is about meditation to get closer to God, as they would put it. Um, has kind of fallen away from our Western traditions. But I went back and I found 
all kinds of old stuff that almost no one could get their hands on and realize there's whole groups of people from different parts of the world with no contact that, uh, that know about these things. So yeah, I'm aware of it and I cover it as I can, but it's always a balancing act with spiritual and religious ideas. We need to get to a point where we are tolerant of everybody's spiritual path, as long as they are not harming living things from my point of view. Next is G Thunder, referencing episodes with Dr. Lena and Phoenix Aurelius. It seems there are more potent and perhaps superior means to provide nutrients to our bodies to obtain a higher level of health and wellness. What's your perspective on traditional vitamin supplements found at the local health stores? Um, I don't, I'm not thrilled with that stuff. Um, there's so, you know, these kind of medical centric questions, I I don't want to answer them. Um, not only am I not qualified, I know what I do for myself. I'm talking to a lot of people here and if someone wants to cause trouble and misconstrue what I'm saying, um, but I'll tell you this, from my point of view, most of that stuff is just making fancy colored urine. (laughs) Um, what I'm, yeah, what I'm about is like an orange. When I eat an orange, I don't have to wonder, are the nutrients of this orange going into me? Because I know all the components to allow the nutrients in are in that orange along with, get this, some life essence. That's right. That orange is giving me life essence. And so you could almost look at our modern things that we ingest and categorize them broadly in two ways. Is there life or is there no life? And I would be willing to bet that the vast majority of us, myself included, could say 80 or 90 some percent of what we ingest has no life. Now, my wife and I have gone back to juicing along the lines of the Gerson method. So I know that almost every day I am ingesting life. If we could still get cheese that wasn't pasteurized, that would be life. If we could get real yogurt that wasn't actually just sugar um, pudding, um, we would be ingesting life. So that's what I can add. Most of these kind of buy this bottle ingested things, I'm not about that. But I can't, I can't medically address it. Someone like Dr. Lena would need to do that. Right, and we know what Dr. Lena says. Try and get your uh, vitamins and minerals and all, and all everything from proper food and water, right. of course, proper water. Right. This is not medical advice, by the way. But uh, the one thing I could tell you that I take that uh, seems to make a difference, but it could be placebo effect, of course. I do like the vitamins by Beyond Tangy Tangerine, the ones that Dr. Wallach puts out. Uh, they're a little pricey, but they seem to work for me, and that's all I can tell you because well, I'm can, not you. I, I can add, there's an old Chinese proverb that says something to the effect that if you've seen the doctor and his prescription did not include diet, then you haven't seen a doctor at all. And that really says it all. Um, that's an important thing to remember. You know, even things like cell, cell salts, most people would think, oh, this is a mineral or something like that. You know how those things are made in nature? A plant puts its roots down in the ground, pulls it up, titrates it for lack of a better term so that it's small enough and processed by the plant enough for your body to absorb. So when you eat spinach, you're not just getting, you know, you're getting things straight out of the earth. And by the way, how is it that if you take a basil seed and an oregano seed, put them in the exact same earth, you get two vastly different plants, you see. And most people will write that off, but you shouldn't think about that. That is an importantly important, critically important thing to understand what I just said there. Two different seeds in the exact same environment producing vastly different life forms. 
These are important ideas to not just dismiss as if, oh, it's DNA or some other knee-jerk reaction you were learned in school. Think about what it actually means. Um, there was a time in this world when people got their nutrients from things out of nature. Um, that's not what you're doing in a GNC store or something like that. By the way, if if people aren't aware, they probably are, mainstream doctors, allopathic medicine doctors generally don't get in to questions of nutrition. Diet. Right. Yeah, it's one of the most important things. There are specific people called nutritionists who will, but even they are kind of following way too mainstream of a program, but at least they're a little bit better on it. But anyway. Well, according to the Chinese, then you haven't seen a doctor at all. Right, and, and that's exactly what I was getting at. You you haven't really seen a doctor. You've seen a, a uh, oh, what shall we say, a practitioner of the pharmaceutical industry. How about that? <laughs> All right, next. Uh, well, actually, there's some more questions from G Thunder. Seeing recent video footage of the moon with such focus and clarity, how do you reconcile in your mind the level of detail in the surface of the moon knowing it's a luminary and not a rock. I mean, what the heck is that thing? <laughs> this is the problem. We need to know more. We've been misguided for a long time. There were people not too far in our in our past that apparently had a much better handle on it. Um, I don't think you're going to go wrong from finding out that three or four main spiritual traditions would refer to it as luminary or light. That's a good place to start. And the observation work that I have done, I accept that currently. All right. And I've heard you a few times mention JFK, the JFK assassination as a hoax, but never heard the full explanation. What were the main sticking points that made you question this event? Well, we're on YouTube right now, and we'd like to keep this live stream so we could reach as many minds as possible. This will be part of the line that I attempt to draw that shows the engineered fall of America. Um, that's all I can say. But if you think that you're hearing anything true on your news at this point, I've got news for you. And a pretty good indicator is if you see a Spielberg movie that's echoing some old event, what's going on there is how they'd like you to remember that event is being reinserted into your mind. Hint, 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 hint. I can't put enough hints behind that. And every time you see an event remembered, well, why not these other events? And by the way, why don't we ever remember good events? Why is it always some negative thing that we have to remember? Um, but the truth of it is, if we cover things like this here, they'll kill our live stream. And I would prefer to talk in a helpful way and talk to more minds. We will be covering this on Crow Triple Seven Radio where we own the server and we can say what we like. That's correct. Uh, by the way, the 1960s were really the first decade where they started throwing the big switches for the downfall. Shall we put it that way? We found the edge of the cliff then, didn't we? I think so. I think so. Next question from G Thunder. Some alternative news sources are suggesting mass reduction of insects and other life on land and sea is a direct assault to further pull us out of nature and set a path for complete dependence on technology to usher in transhumanism. Others suggest the aerosol spraying in the atmosphere is to ensure complete coverage in worldwide connectivity, creating a smart grid to connect all things for data collection to support this agenda. Any thoughts on this? 
You know, logically, there's a few ways we can go here. Um, I don't accept the kind of fear porn decimation ideas. And the simple reason is, is because any life to be here requires a system. There's no part of the system in nature that isn't required, although we do lose some occasionally, apparently, um, but something is lost at that point. So there's really a couple options here. If human beings are trying to take over the world and it is in fact human beings, they need the same things we do to exist. They can't destroy nature, but they know a thing that we've forgotten. As an example, when a forest fire happens, we all think destruction has occurred. That's not true. What's happened is the first step in renewal has occurred. It's just that we are upset because we lose our home and all the things we've worked for. So we forget that in the natural world, things like sequoia trees can't even make more sequoia trees without that forest fire. Uh, there are places in Japan that do slash and burn, which I was told my entire life was a terrible idea. They've been doing it for hundreds of years. They do it once a generation, knowing full well that the one farmer in his lifetime that does it will see the exact same forest he just burned to the ground before he hands it to the next generation. These ideas are not lost, but this brings up another idea. Are there parts of this world that we've never heard nothing of? I accept it all day long. So you could do a number on other parts of the world and know full well in 100 years, more than likely it will bounce back to something very similar before you jack it up. Meanwhile, this other huge part of the world nobody knows about or other parts of the world is as it ever was. Probably everything organic, not a line in the sky, probably no fossil fuel burning cars, these types of ideas. These are logical things that when you truly look at this idea you've put forward, these are really the only logical ideas you can come up with. Next question. Well, let me answer that. Uh, I, I've seen plenty of stuff on the bees diminishing, and if there is any validity to that, and I think there is, that's bad because bees are pollinators. No matter what the reason, bees are good, and we need them. Next question. Everybody needs bees. So yes. it's hard to, it's hard to imagine that the whole world that needs bees would allow all the bees to go away. It's hard to imagine. It doesn't make sense. In a time where whistleblowers are stepping forward in record numbers exposing corruption and mysteries across many areas, I find it odd that we don't have more initiated folk coming out with information about hidden ancient knowledge or stories of origin. It's hard to believe important information about our past has been completely destroyed or truly hidden. Is it really possible that a reset has occurred, keeping us from knowing our true origins? I mean, someone knows something, right? Yeah, sure. The people in charge know. Um, there are others. And... The idea originally of secrecy and initiation was much different than it currently is, but it still had the concerns of all living things. It was just that the knowledge, it was a bit like the biblical idea of casting your pearls before the swine. Why would anyone do that? That's a silly thing to do. The swine don't value pearls. You're just going to mess up your pearls or lose them. So why would you do that? So logically, that's a sound idea. But you see, the main idea of having to do it in the first place is because there's powers in the world that would do away with you if you opened your mouth. So typically what we see is things are trickled out or they're held close to the vest when it's not safe to trickle them out um, by truly initiated places uh, that have a concern. But I'll tell you something. Logically, 
do you think that everyone listening to this now wishes it was off the air or are there people in respectable or higher places that say, I'm damn glad Crow Triple Seven's there. I hope he continues to be there. Logically think about it because I am convinced that must be the case or we wouldn't be here now. We've been taken out a couple times and yet here we are. I strongly suspect that the highest of the highest levels of certain secret societies probably have some knowledge that is definitely not let out to the profane, which means us. But that's how, speculation how, on my point. Well, how can you hide the true nature of the history of this place before basically what we call ancient Rome if you don't know what it is? Um, of course they know. How, how could you claim to be an important, powerful group of people if you didn't have the the most basic information? How did we get here? How long have we been here? What's the real story of the past as much as is knowable? Logically, that's a sound a sound statement. Next is from Bowler Bear. I agree. Belief is the enemy of knowing. But I believe the point of most religions is faith and not to know. What are your beliefs when it comes to God, and how did you get to that point with all of the knowledge of the past that you have explored? My faith is my own. It's between me and the Creator, uh, and I talk to a lot of people of different faiths all over the world, and I respect them all. But to get back to your point, um, it was not always true that faith was the main linchpin. Things like faith come in where that's the main thing that matters when people are going to be controlled. You just got to believe this, folks. There used to be, in almost every major religion, a hard work that had to be done. You had to conduct yourself. You were doing the mind sciences. You were doing meditation. You were the monk taking that one-year vow of silence so that you could further your mind and get closer to your creator. These ideas are what have slowly fallen away from us. Um, and the further back in time you go, it appears to me, the more work that was truly being done. Um, faith is a part of it for a lot of people. But to me, if that's the only thing or the main thing, well, then what are you actually doing? You say these magic words and suddenly you're okay? You didn't do a <laughs> lick of work? It used to be the opposite of that, that to be saved or to make heaven or enlightenment, it took hard work and it took moral rectitude, which is not easy. Try to be morally upright in this age we find ourselves, where every computer is one keystroke away from serving porn to anyone of any age, where there's a liquor store on every street corner, where instant gratification is the name of almost every game, you see. So I would just point out that is it logical to assume that with almost no work we can get these huge benefits? I don't accept it. I don't, I don't accept that a huge, truly valuable benefit is just so easily achieved. That's my point of view. Well, most organized religions, let's be honest, just want you to believe in a particular brand of invisible man, right? And those invisible men always seem to be awfully human to me. Most humans have a habit of anthropomorphizing their all-powerful deities, and that just kind of doesn't fly well with me. Now, that's very, 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 very different from spirituality, which is a, a, an inside of a you, you unique thing. And I, I just find that there's a big difference between faith in an organized religion and spirituality, or maybe you could call that connecting with the universe. That's what I do. You know, I saw some, I was doing research a few days ago. I came across it. I wish I would have downloaded it, but I was so busy and I got so many things already. But it, the name of the PDF was something like 
why why does Christianity have so many versions of the Bible? <laughs> I thought, man, I wish I had time to read that. I don't. But anyhow, it's a good question, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, I would say that uh, God is is unique to the person because everyone's perspective is unique. So do what feels right. And I have to say, I've been in many different kinds of centers of worship, and they do have a feel to them. Something does feel different as you get close and walk through the threshold. There's something to it. And I think that it's a collective, a collection of minds putting energy toward a single thing, whatever it happens to be. And they're channeling something, and I, I've been, often been curious what exactly they're calling upon. I, I frequently think it's not what they think it is, but what do I know? A human being is not fully a human being without a spiritual path. That's my point of view, and a lot of this world seeks to shorten, remove, narrow, or hide that part of being human these days. Next is Bob from Pennsylvania. I wanted to know, what are your thoughts on crop circles and the weird stuff associated with them? I'm a common sense guy. Um, I'll go with this common sense ideas about them. Um, I think that we've seen them used enough in media and we see the Mel Gibson movies, signs and other things that are echoing the ideas that it's intended to do what it's intended to do. Uh, You want me to believe it's some mystical thing because the designs are pretty? Show me something that makes it more than just a pretty design. Um, I will err every time on the side of common sense, even if I'm wrong, by the way. Um, because I'd rather have common sense and be wrong than not have common sense and be right. I'd love for it to be more than folks doing some really nice artwork, but we need some sort of proof to take that leap, I think. Next is from Frosthound. My question is a weird one. Many times when I go under a light post, the light post will either go out, which is the most usual, or go on if it's off. It only happens to me and my mother... Uh, says it has happened to her throughout her life. What can that be and why only me? I don't consider myself an energy vampire who sucks electromagnetism so the light post would go out. One time I was going through six posts and every one went out. I went back to see what would happen and they went out again, again and again. They turn on again when I'm past the posts. It's not everyone but not far from it. Electric things have a problem with me and I wonder why. Uh, You're not alone in this world, so I'll make a couple of assumptions that may be correct. Maybe they're not. You can't wear a a wristwatch. The electronics that you have on your person become a problem. Here's the thing. To try to demonstrate if anything I said holds water, go get your blood type done. Are you O negative? Because if you're O negative, all you got to do is sit down at a keyboard and type that in, and you will meet, I don't know if it's tons, but other people who experience the same thing. That's a trait of an O negative. Yeah, that they're doing tests on. So it's not, it's not really that weird. Uh, it would surprise me that uh, the electrical field that human bodies generate—it's a biochemical thing—and uh, and chemical uh, batteries are actually chemicals doing a reaction. So there's just something a little more interesting about your particular makeup that seems to disrupt such things. It's—I don't think it's actually all that abnormal. We put it forward after the RH episode, and I can't tell you how many emails I got of people who were O or O negative uh, who always had wristwatches die and they'd known about it. Others had heard about it the first time during our episode. So if that is what's going on here, you're not alone by a long shot. Next we have from Daniel. He has two questions. First, if we came to be at the zygote or the divine spark, would that change our astrological signs? Yeah, of course it would. Cause it'd be nine months different. 
Well, let me let me address that in the best way I know how. By the way, we're going to get Athen Kamenti back, the sidereal astrologer who looks up to see what's actually there and doesn't do all these bizarre calculations. The Great Conjunction is coming at the winter solstice, and all the people who follow tropical astrology are trying to say it's going into an air sign. It's provably not. Just look up. Um, my main point here is – I wish I knew my main point. What was the question again, Jason? Uh if the uh, the zygote or the divine spark oh, yeah, is yeah. the true, okay, go. I got it. So, so here's the thing, man. It is said that the spirit enters the, the spirit from the alchemical point of view. The older sciences comes in to you the first time you take a breath. Your spirit is basically your breath. Okay, so when the new baby takes his first breath, the spirit goes in. Most astrologies of any kind, whether they're respectable or not mark that that's when a lot of what's going to occur or the potentialities are going to occur but you make a valid point shouldn't there be some connection when the spark the divine spark hits you i say all day yes and so it's like all the other things in our world why do we have one calendar and why is it solar the sun doesn't mark a month the moon does so logically we can understand that the older cultures were correct we need a moon calendar and then a solar calendar for other things and maybe even like the mayans other calendars for other things i think that's a bit like what you're talking about clearly if the divine spark comes at the connection of the zygote or the material from mom and dad coming together for the first time which incidentally I've gotten a lot of email for, uh, from women who said they knew the instant they became pregnant, they could feel it or sense it. And I was surprised to hear it the first time, but after a number of emails, I was starting to think, hey, point is yes, of course, there's got to be something to it. So maybe there's not one clock for everything like we've been taught. Um, it's, a, it's a good observation, but I do accept that the spirit comes in with the first breath. We just got two super chats, thanks to both of you. The first one from Ludlow Films, also known as The Burminator, for $20. And he says, the peeps in the chat room took up a collection. Well, that's awesome. Nice. Thanks, Burminator. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I know The Burminator. <laughs> By the way, let's put it on the record. The Burminator has given away a number of one-year accounts to people who can't afford it at crow777radio.com, and I give them away, too. So thank you, Burm. Yep, and very, Melanie. Very cool of him. And Melanie Moran also just gave us $20, but she didn't say anything. Say something, Melanie. We like you too. Maybe, maybe that's what she was saying. <laughs> so thank you to both of you. All right, second sure. question. If the moon is indeed a soul trap, aside from turning away from the light, are there any old teachings or texts that describe such an encounter and options our souls may have? Hmm. Um, I'm not sure how to answer this, but I'll... Go at it in this way. I accept that probably in the early 1900s, the average adult in society had a much better handle intuitively on what's acceptable and what's not. They certainly had bucket loads of moral turpitude we have lost, bucket loads of what it means to be morally upright, to have a compass with the needle fixed on north. These are important things. And so when you have these things as a human being and you learn to trust your intuition and your human faculties, you tend to find a better path, I would say. Um, the moon is a hell of a thing. And part of what we're going to do in the episode that comes sometime after 200, where we show the engineered fall, is I'll cover 2001. And remember what that's all about. Obelisks on the moon and the encoding of the 21st century. You just move the zeros from 2001 
it's the 21st century that was the target. Um, and by the way, for those people who have never heard, how many people know that in Magnuson Park, I got to remember, Magnuson Park, Seattle, Washington State, on the first day of 2001, a black obelisk showed up that no one knows, seems to know how it got there. It was eventually blamed on a hoax, but I will further point out that at Ground Zero, there's another one. It's called the Millennium Hotel. Um, these things are not done without intent, and this will be part, but the reason I point it out is the whole idea of that is this overlord represented by the, uh, by the monolith there that takes human beings that are living peaceably with all the animals and teaches them how to get a bone and beat the life out of a thing so they can eat it. That's part of what it does. And then that bone, of course, turns into a spaceship. Um, and, of course, the monolith that precedes it is on the moon. There's a lot there, but we'll get into that later. Absolutely. Bones on the moon. All right. Last part of this question. Later this week, the water levels will rise up to one meter all over the coast of Norway before it goes back to normal. On the propaganda box, they blame the moon. But I think it's a lot of different things like geoengineering, etc. It starts in the top of this long coast land and works its way down in about three to four days. What is your perspective? Um, I can tell you that it's not the moon, that I don't accept it's the moon, that people back way before the modern edit in like the 1800s set out to prove how the moon affected tides. And by the way, NASA will tell you all day long, why isn't the mass of the moon what it should be? The mass of the moon is almost nothing. And yet you're expected to believe that somehow the moon has control over the tides. The sun is massive in their little game book, right? So how could the moon even start to have a fraction of that gravitational force? But set all that aside, in the book Zetetic Astronomy, the most interesting notion I've heard that tries to deal with this is that it's simply air pressure. That when the air pressure is down or pushing down hard in one part of the world, it's up in another part of the world. Um, not sure what to make of it, but I will note that that is the most interesting explanation. And for me, it's interesting because the man said a hell of a lot of things that I said doing the same thing, firsthand observation. While I can't answer it absolutely, I can tell you that we have sayings like, this is where reason goes to die, that came from men who tried to prove the moon was controlling the tides. So there's all that. Next is from Deborah. Some questions that I have are about the obvious false historical narratives that we've been handed concerning the places that we live. I find this topic extremely interesting, especially because we can at least implore the next generation to ask the questions that we just accepted as fact when in school. Some examples are San Francisco, Salt Lake City, Starforts, etc. The timelines alone are questionable, never mind the stories. Just look at the old buildings and your spider sense tells you that something does not fit the narrative given. Maybe having a guest on who has done due research in some of these areas would add more pieces to the puzzle that we are all fitting together. We've looked at these ideas, but I think more than anything that jumps out to me in what you just said is the importance that we need to get and save books, that PDFs need to be downloaded and backed up away from your main box. Um, here's the problem. These children are going to come of age and they're going to go to Amazon and they're going to think there's a whole world of books. They're never understanding that there ain't anything like a whole world of books. There are approved titles. And I proved it just today. There's an author I'm interested in, and you cannot find his work. And one of his books, which is less than 100 pages, is now going for something like five or 600 bucks, way up in price. 
my main thing here is yes, that the people that come behind us can stand on our shoulders, but they've got to have something to work with. And books, I swear to you, there will come a day, probably not too distant future, when books are worth their weight in gold, at least to people who want to be able to think. Also, what about the thousands of foundlings orphans and what happened to their parents? And what and was that the same time frame given to the thousands of adults put in asylums in this country? And just look at those buildings that they called asylums. Well, those are a couple of different things, but uh, if you'd like to I, give your take first, go right ahead. Well, I saw some of the research. It's very interesting. I'm not even sure if I knew the date, I might be able to add something more. If it's right there, it's the late 1800s. Great Oh, late 1800s, so it's yeah. way before the Great Depression. Yeah. I can't, I don't know enough and haven't looked at it to answer, but I did see the idea, I think it was amusement parks had these, they were selling tickets to come look at all the babies that were in there, so it was like, it was a place the babies could actually get care, but at the same time, where'd all the babies come from, and the people were buying tickets to see all these babies, which was helping pay for the, it was just a strange, strange thing, I grant you, but unfortunately, I can't add anything, because I'm not qualified, I haven't looked at it. Uh, Wayne took a took a, just a, a rough look at the numbers of children who would be in foster care and in, in just general like that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, it, the numbers that, that are being shown that, that gets tied up with this mud flood narrative are not unusual, despite what people think. Let me, uh, John Flaherty, thank you. And yeah, um, this is a big part of what's going on in our world. And you've got to remember, nothing really significant has changed in the world per se since you were born, only what you know. And part of the conflict is it's hard for people that are in a job where they have to do things that they know they don't want to be doing. That is tough, and I don't see a good answer other than walking from the job, and that's not always an option. But a big part of that conflict is everyone learns this new thing, and so now they're going to go evangelize to their family, and that causes trouble. Now they lose all their friends because they're trying to evangelize to their friends. So the main thing is, and I say it over and over, if you change your own mind, you have in fact done something. Yeah, that is change. Um, but yeah, we live in a rough time. Change is always rough for everybody. Human beings want everything to stay the same. And the truth is nothing ever stays the same. But right now where we exist, things are changing so quickly, it's almost blinding. Next is from Ash. Would it be a possibility on a future show to have Jason Rose present a show giving some details about how they homeschool? It would be great to hear how you guys approach it and what hoops, if any, you still have to jump through to please a curriculum. What subjects and lessons you choose to teach, what values you emphasize, how you balance everything, how much is indoors, how much is outdoors, is any computer-based, you get the idea. I get that this is something you guys may like to keep private, but it would provide real value to those of us with young children, and some of this information will still be useful for parents to implement at home if they have children in the public system, either by choice or circumstance. Well, I have no problem addressing that. Is there anything you want to say about it, Crow? It's all you, Pops. Right. This, um, well, the first thing is, if you can get your kids out of the public school and away from those crazy people, yes, do so. Please do. Do it, do it, do it. Um, we live in Louisiana, and the uh, the whole system here is actually pretty lax. I'm very, very, very grateful for that. That's one of the reasons I've stayed here. Uh, we use a computer-based system called Acellus that teaches the same thing she would be learning in 
regular high school, except she can do it at her own pace or review it as needed without the need to be in some crazy social environment where bells ring and you jump jump up and run like Pavlov's dogs. Uh, it's nothing too complicated. My daughter goes pretty much everywhere with me. She's gotten a real-world education as a result of that because I like to travel, and she has seen a lot more than probably a lot of kids, especially in our meager financial situation, would have. But Acellus Academy is the name of the program I use for her main schooling, and uh, it's $25 a month. So it's incredibly reasonable, and you can go in, review, change things, pick the subjects. They they have recommendations on, on what grades would be teaching what. And honestly, it's really not that big of a deal. Uh, she does her work because it's not shoved down her throat, and she's able to do things in her own time. And that's that. All right. Well, we should say thank you, or maybe we should say howdy, stranger. Howdy, stranger. Should... <laughs> yeah, that's a, it's a great handle. Um, I love unique handles that are not Hollywood derived. Right. Um, but uh, I thought I was going to be able to handle this chat better. But the truth is, is I can't. I can't listen to what Jason's saying and give it all my thought and chat at the same time. So it's not as easy as I thought it would be. But I'll I'll try to get better at it here. But anyhow, howdy, stranger. Thank you. That's a that's a hell of a. Hell of an, an action. That was very kind. Thank you very much. Next is Justin in Oklahoma. I've discussed some of your ideas on the nuclear energy hoax with some people. A good friend of mine served on an aircraft carrier, which, according to him, was nuclear powered. In your opinion, is that a hoax as well? Was well, a big no. difference between let, let me, nuclear power and nuclear bombs. Big difference. Yeah. Let, let me take the – if it's multiples, let me take them one at a time. Basically, the way I view like, – like where I was, San Onofre and San Diego had those two big boob-looking things on the beach that we were told were nuclear. And my point of view from what I know and have researched now is they're boiling water and they're doing it in a really clean way. But it's not nuclear in the way we think of it. Um, so there's no reason. And by the way, think of all the – you know we've been convinced all these elements are so dangerous that you can – you can't even have them. You'll be arrested. And by the way, there's people in the chat room that worked on these ideas and got rocks that were radioactive to start to test whether there was any validity there. What I think now is those elements are critically important to alchemical procedures. They're not nearly, for the most part, as dangerous as you've been told, and they're key in critically high-level alch alchemy and also in boiling water in a very clean way. So if I had to venture speculation and I was in the Marine Corps and I'm aware of others who have worked on these things, um, I think they're boiling water and I think they're using basically alchemy to do it. Uh, and it's being called nuclear. Uh, but you think of it in the way a bomb hit Hiroshima. And I think we've done pretty well at, at divesting any reality in that. Yeah. The concepts they're using while they're said to be similar are really in fact not. I, I actually have two relatives back in Pennsylvania who work for the uh, Berwick power plant. So I know that those things are real. As a matter of fact, when I was in uh, high school, my, my uncle Bob, who's my my godfather, brought me a radiation suit, everything but the mask for me to take in uh, along huh. with along with some mock pellets and a little package that did some explanation on how it works and all that. And I understood the concepts and, and Crow's right. It's just boiling water in a certain way and driving a, a steam turbine. And that's it. You drive a turbine. That is how you generate electricity with old school 1800 style technology. You're just cranking that thing and electricity is coming out. How you're driving it is the question. That's really what nuclear power is doing is boiling water, driving the, the crankshaft, and boom, you got electricity. Nuclear bombs, on the other hand, well, 
totally different story. And while I do understand the concepts as presented, as Crow said, we've done some work and, you know, they just may not be great big boom objects, are they? No, nuclear weapons don't exist as described. Um, all that stuff, all those much that's conventional conventional blasts you've seen people are starting to pick up on some of the things we've laid down and gone back through all the footage to begin to show there's all the work down in vegas where they got two groups of military men one they one group they said you're putting in conventional explosives by the tonnage so we compare it to the real nuclear blast over there don't go there it's dangerous but over there where they couldn't go was another group told the exact same thing (laughs) um and they were both just mega tonnages of tnt or something similar like c4 it's pretty provable from my yeah, point of the, view. Yeah, the, well, there's there's a lot of old old uh, film of that too. Well, how, how anyone who wants to think of a creator, uh, how how much of a creation would be if the ants down here could destroy the creation? That was the first logical problem that got me going. Really, this place is perfect from our point of view, and you're telling me some dude can figure out a way to destroy it all with a red button? There's your first logical problem. We get convinced that science can do the most magical of things. We really do. Um, And while it can do some amazing things, a lot of what drives the nonsense in this world is our belief in things that common sense should tell us instantly are not possible. Next from W. King. This week, it was reported that 60 million American adults now own a smart speaker. Do stats like this make you want to cry like me? Um, It's a terrible thing because what it implies is that a person has bought into the instant gratification to the degree where they can't even consider the, the very simple, real reality that if I speak to that thing anytime, it's listening to me the whole time. In other words, it is recording everything all the time. And it's unfortunate because it's not that hard for a human being to figure that out, even if they're not technical. For those of us who do have some technical chops, it's terrifying to think of what the Internet of Things is going to bring. It will get to a point where so much data has been collected that they know what you're going to do before you do it. Because unfortunately, the measure of a life well lived should be that I have no idea what will happen tomorrow because I don't know what I'll be doing tomorrow. When the truth of it is, is that most of us know exactly what we'll be doing tomorrow because we did the exact same thing yesterday at about the exact same times. And that is mark and measure for the perversity that has surrounded us. We no longer live and choose our lives. We're kind of locked into these loops because of modernity. Now, here's the funny thing. Well, it's not very funny, but any of these smart speakers, meaning like uh, an Alexa, Google this, whatever the hell they're called, there's multiple variations on it, even Siri on, on your phones or, or Hey Google on your Androids. I'm pretty sure that any modern appliance, at least the nicer ones that have screens and things in them, because so many things do, they might even have microphones of some sort put in them at this point that can transmit data on the Internet of Things. So it probably doesn't even matter, or maybe soon it won't matter, whether you willingly buy one of these little little dumb dumb boxes to t- communicate with, because they probably, if you buy a top-of-the-line refrigerator and it's got a nice screen in it that's connected to the internet it's probably listening to you anyway has everyone forgotten 1984 has everyone forgotten who what circle of people created 1984 has everyone forgotten that 1984 is a blueprint as is brave new world as is animal farm as are a number 
of, of books written in and around Tavistock and the circles of royalty and the H.G. Wells crowd and the Darwin crowd and the Freud and Young crowd and this group of basically European oligarch. Has everyone forgotten that? What did Winston contend with in his room every day? with Big Brother. Um, where do you think all this goes? It's not hard for a human being that's so not lost in freaking selfies and so self-involved for instant gratification and this kind of self-inward thing that technology is bringing. I mean, a selfie, that really says it all. That really says it all. I have never taken a well. Back in the day, we used to do a version of the selfie because it was funny. We used to pick up a camera that was sitting there and take a picture of our butt because we thought it was hysterical that when the film got developed, there would be a butt there and everyone would figure out how did this butt get here. But other than that, I have never taken it. Well, that's not true either. I took one selfie with Jason because when I met you, you wanted a picture of it. <laughs> but other than that, you know, that's what I'm getting at here. We've been told these tales and it's almost inexcusable that human beings can't put together what Alexa represents when they're aware of things like 1984. Next is from Jennifer. Can you comment on why I was forced to take an Amazon Echo, although I gave a few good reasons why I didn't want one? I did think that the Georgia Guidestones number may be related to RH negative, but I am now thinking it may be the opposite and there are less people than we think who have a soul and it's not them, hence them wanting to become digital. The Greek guy's rhesus mum said he could not leave here, so he is trapped and needs rituals to possess other bodies or artificial bodies to live forever. Any thoughts? I like the fact that you're going back to myth. Um, there's a reason these things exist, but I want to go back to the first part of that. What do you mean you tried to say no to a smart device in your home, what I call a dumb device, and you weren't allowed to? This is case in point for the age we live in. Have you noticed that a lot of the things that you say I'm not interested in that, they keep pushing till they try to get it in the door? Well, meet Crow. When I say no, I mean no. Not the first time, not the second time, but every time I say it until it's heard. Um, I have the right not to have these things around me. Um, so I would maybe reassert that if you got something like that put in your home against your will, you have every right to have it removed. I don't actually understand that either. How could you be forced to have it? I mean, it's. I think maybe cancel the Amazon Prime. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking maybe the implication was, um, you know, to have these services you're using, you must have this. That's not true. Look at the smart meters; is the same thing. You know, to, technically, if you tell them you don't want it, you have that right. But they are breaking your rights and the laws to try to make it appear as if they have the right to force it on you. And in some places, it's become quite a problem. But the real problem is that people don't understand, as a living human being, you have the right to say no. And by the way, used in its correct context, no freaking means no. It's just unfortunate that enough of us forgot how to say that word. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, come on. You don't have to take anything you don't really want. It's a, it's, a, it's a big deal, man. It's a big deal. It is a big deal. Uh, let's see. I think there's a little more to this one. In the interest of turning everything upside down, what if free will is not a positive but part of the problem? True freedom, then, is the positive where each person create, can create good things for others while free will impinges on others' free will, leading to scarcity rather than abundance. Well, let me rephrase the whole – you see, point of view is a big thing in this world and it's used against us every day. 
a human being with a moral upright compass cannot have their point of view skewed. That's a fact. You cannot easily program a human being with a morally upright compass locked on due north. That's a fact. So what we're basically saying here is free will, that's given by the creator or by the divine spark that comes into a human being. And you know who doesn't really have it at the same level? The animal kingdom. Animals spend most of their lives reacting. The deer in the woods hears a stick break and he bolts because, man, it could be his life. And that's a true thing. And that's why he's running. So for the most of a deer's life, they're reacting to external inputs and not making their own choices per se. A human being doesn't have to live that way. But here's the thing about being able to steer your own ship and make your own choices and have freedom of choice. With that, it's like that big half a million sub channel. You have a responsibility and that responsibility is to respect other people. Because if you want to have freedom of choice, you should logically be able to work out if you fringe on other people, you're infringing on their freedom of choice. So if you fringe on their infringe on their freedom of choice, how is it you can't understand it's only a matter of time before your freedom of choice? This is the old this is the whole argument in my view for common law. You see, back when things were sane when this country was apparently founded, this idea of common law. If you didn't cause loss or harm someone, there's like three basic ideas. You're, there's no law broken, no foul, no harm. A human being is an adult. They make their own choice. Look where we are now. My God, there are so many laws and rules that there's not even a lawyer in existence that could tell you them all. And as we did this show, Lord knows how many more were made. This is not a sustainable environment. This is not a human-friendly environment. This is an environment that seeks to cage every mind there is. Um, and to me, freedom of choice is the biggest damn deal of all because without it, I can't say, no, thank you, I don't want that smart meter. Without it, I can't say, no, thank you, I choose not to harm that living thing. That requires freedom of choice. That's my point of view. We're running low on time, so maybe we'll get one, one maybe two more questions in. However... I think everyone doesn't understand what happened with TFR, so I wanted to address that for one second. Uh, there was nothing bad that happened to TFR. I started doing live streams with Wayne. Crow joined me sometimes. Uh, Great Baldini has joined us sometimes. Sometimes it's just Wayne and myself. And they seem to be getting quite a good listenership right off the bat. Uh, we thought that this would be a better platform for Crow and I to work from, so that's it. We retired from TFR. Now we don't have commercials. Uh, I'm in control of the audio, so it's much, much, much better. And uh, that, that's pretty much it. We just we can do things on our own uh, a lot better than being under someone else's uh, platform. That's all. We right. have nothing yeah. against those guys. They, they, they're great. I, I love what they do. Hopefully they'll keep on doing it. So there's no bad blood or anything there. Let's be clear, too. I mean, I work at this seven days. I work 10 hours a day to pull off the level of shows we try to hit every time. So what it comes about is return for the effort we put in, and that return is having the opportunity to offer ideas to minds. Look at how many people are here right now. I see something like 342. The numbers over there were never getting even in this ballpark, and that was a big part of it. But they were they never told us what to say. They never impinged on our, on our rights in any way. They were good to us, just to be perfectly clear. All right, first question from Brian. 
The basic question is, do you consider there to be a possibility of a spiritual influence guiding the evil intentions of men in power? To explain myself a little more, when we talk about the New World Order and these people in high places running the whole show, the top 1% of elites, as they're often called, in your view, do you consider the possibility that these people are being guided and manipulated by a nefarious spiritual influence? This could account for these agendas being carried on through the ages, well past the lifespan of men, and across cultures. I'm just curious about either of your thoughts on that possibility. I'd be a fool if I hadn't considered that possibility. And one thing that springs to mind every time I think about this is misery enjoys company, right? Um, And here's one logical problem with everything we see. So let's say that the one world thing happens, they get everything they want, some dude somewhere is totally in control. Would you want to live in that world? You just witnessed the marginalization and basically captivity of an entire race of human beings, and now you're living with that. What do you think is next? And by the way, guy on the top, you don't think the two guys right under you are eyeing your butt? That's, I mean, we might as well go live like lions on the Serengeti, really. <laughs> Really, because then it becomes a bit like, you know, like George Bush. This is not the law of the jungle. This is a new world all about BS, Mr. George Bush. It is exactly the law of the jungle. It is people who have the strength to impose their will on others, whether it's through subterfuge or naked force. And by the way, if you get your way, you're living with the lion at the top of that pride. So I'm just saying, logically, it's indefensible from any angle. Uh, My simple answer would be, yeah, I absolutely think there are dark forces going on because people in power always want more power. And if there's something to magic and spirituality, they're going to explore the darker side of it for their own betterment. If you want to call it that, I absolutely think that there's something to that question. Hey, man. Oh, go ahead. Well, if you want to finish up on that point, before nah, hit, hit it. We're, we're running low. Question two, have you or do you plan to look into the mud flood theory? If you have and think there's nothing there, why? If you think there is something there, what? If you plan to, when? Yes, and we're doing it with Wayne. Right, very, shortly. Very shortly, um, yep. We've, yeah, al- we've, already shortly. Done, we've already done it and the notes are written. We just haven't been able to sync up our schedules. I'll give you the cliff notes. I don't accept a global reset. Um, and I can basically demonstrate the evidence is not there for that idea. But yes, there is absolutely something there. There are a lot of somethings there. All the individual pieces of evidence matter. Um, and just because we do the show we're about to, to do, um, I would like to avoid infighting and hope that everyone researching will continue to do so. These are going to be ideas that go a, a bit against. Some of it is going to be a bit against people who have been researching this for a long time. But here's the point. I speak my heart, and I'm not going to change what I think is correct to try to be politically correct. But at the same time, I'm going to try to respect all the research that's been done. Yeah, there's a hell of a lot of important evidence. I don't accept a one-event global reset. That's what we're going to break down with Wayne. And by the way, we took it so seriously, Jason and I brought Wayne McCroy in to have a third set of biceps trying to do the heavy lifting here. Right. Question three, what is the most intriguing thing about the moon to you, aside from the lunar wave, or what gives you the most pause when you compare your observations versus what we are told by mainstream science that the moon is? What gives me pause is there's this thing that's been there my whole life, and all I know about it is it measures a moon. It's astounding. It's astounding to me that that could even be. 
It's like human beings being here. And how is it that our birthright wasn't to be told right out of the gate, hey, welcome to the human race. Here's how long we've been here. Here's how long he, he, here's how we got here. And here's what you're supposed to be doing while you're here. Welcome aboard, human being. Well, the moon's not a lot different than that. It's been there for apparently ever, or as long as we can say ever, and we don't know a damn thing about it. And by the way, all the people in charge have been lying about it the whole time. So basically what we've been able to prove is the lies, but that hasn't gotten, honestly, a lot closer to what it actually is. But I think it's spiritual all day, and I think it has to do directly with life in this world in the same way the sun does. Without the sun, we don't have life. So it doesn't take much to link, link up that the lesser light, the moon, is going to have a pretty big effect on things down here. Question four. Have you found any other connection in older writings or other cultures with dreams and sweet things before bed like the honey before bed idea? The phrase sweet dreams really resonated with me, and I was curious if there was a link between this phrase and some hidden knowledge about increasing your chances of dreaming documented elsewhere. I'm glad you brought this up because it's going to give me a chance to prove the value of appreciating older cultures and understanding they can teach you something. She blew my mind. I was sitting there talking to her about the dream time. We were talking about dreams. I'm trying to learn. And I pointed out, this dude told me if I took raw honey, I would dream my butt off. And man, it was true. And she says, ah, sweet dreams. Now you know what it means. <laughs> and yeah, my mind was blown because there I am talking to maybe one of the oldest cultures in the world. And of course, they knew honey was there. They knew they knew way more about nature than I probably ever will in my life. But what I can tell you is there's there's a secret. Very few people. How is it we can all be here as adult human beings and not understand that if we take a tablespoon or you know a couple teaspoons of raw honey before we go to bed, we will dream like there is no tomorrow. Um, and what's even more is a Unfortunately, in the Western traditions we have, dreams don't amount to much. Well, in every other place of the world I've ever looked at, the dreams are a big damn deal. And the first thing those people would say is, where do we go when we dream? We're not here. Are we leaving this place? Where are we going when we go into a dream state? And yet, for some reason, we're so far from it at this point, we don't even ask that question. So thank you for asking that question. There it is. Munya, part of an old culture who dropped my jaw to the floor for the same reason yours was dropped. Sweet dreams. Are made of these. For Crow and Jason, what book or writings would you say have been the most influential in your thinking and worldview and why? Mm, I would have to say all the spiritual traditions I've looked at. And um, one thing that helped me is when I got to other parts of the world and I realized that there used to be in other parts of the world whole traditions that were set up for the idea of the benefit of all living things. Um, the moment I bumped into that, I realized the rectitude, the undeniable moral uprightness of it. Um, and I knew that had been missing from my life. And then when I knew that and came back to the traditions of my part of the world, it helped immensely. Because it, there was a new light shined on what I was looking at. I would say a lot of my worldviews are collected from lots of l little things from lots of sources. I don't know if I ever I could point at one book or a piece of writing and say that is what shaped me. But yeah, I'd have to think about that one. All right, but we're over time. So last question from who was this? By the way, we've got so many questions from this person, Brian. Last question from Brian. 
What books would you recommend on numerology? Books or writings that might help to explain why some people use certain numbers for an advantage or a message. If I were into numerology and wanted to follow the blueprint of elites using it, what would be a guide? I wouldn't. I won't recommend any book, and there, as far as I know, there is no book, which isn't wholly true, but let me explain myself. Numbers are symbols. I can't tell you the number of times someone comes in and says, oh my God, there's a six, a terrible six. That's bad. Well, no, it's not. It's a number. All things in this world have duality. Just like a battery has a positive and a negative pole, are you going to call the negative pole of the battery bad? Just like there's a man and a woman, are you going to call one half of that polarity bad? No, because if you are, you're being childish. Numbers are no different. So when you see in some of the Hebraic uses, the trip of the double seven, the, the, the I and Zion used as a mind weapon, you see three sevens after my name. There's two totally different intents going on there. The sevens behind my name are meant to reflect my corporate slave birth name because there were seven letters in each one. And it's my fighting back against what I perceive a wrong done to me. The I and Zion is openly stated as a mind weapon. So there's the same number used in two different ways with two different intents. Here's my advice. Just start paying attention. When you see those fours, like today and Kobe's, well, Kobe's last game, he had four rebounds and four assists. There's your death number, 44. And Kobe's last game, hint, hint, hint. Um, look at what else they told you. Well, he's 41. That's five. Five people died in the accident. That's five. You know, you start to see. That's how you learn. You look, but you see... God, I, I don't have time to explain this well, and I'm not doing a good job. Just because you see the media doing it, you understand how it's being misused. So then you can recognize the nonsense. But you've got to understand. You can take every five you just saw used in the Kobe st story and use it beneficially. There's five apples in my orchard, and I'm going to give them to my five children so they can be healthy. There's the polar opposite use of the number five. But... There are archetypes that go back, like the idea of five being used over and over is almost certainly the human mind over matter idea, the, the pentagram, the as we see it being used so often. So this is such a hard thing to, to, to explain to people because they get in this linear idea that these are all bad things. No, they're not. These are symbols that hold a meaning. And it is entirely based on what meaning was put into it. And even if some jackass puts a terrible meaning, you can come right behind him and put the exact opposite on the same thing. You can, because you're a human being too. Um, I know I didn't do so well with that, but I tried. Well, perhaps we should just take a moment at the end here to discuss what the concept of intent is, because that's really what it comes down to with all this numerology. What is the intent behind what it is you're looking at? That pretty much means everything, I would say. Right. If you see something come from the news, you already know the intent. If you see something come from a movie, you already know the intent. If you see something come from TV, you already know the intent. Those are the biggest hints I can ever drop in this world. Okay? I mean, think about what I just said. Once you know intent, you know almost everything you need to know. If you know the intent is not good, then you know the information is not for keeps for you if you want to have a compass pointing north, which I do. That's the only compass I want, you see. So intent is basically the basis of everything. And it goes back to what I just said about the other religious tradition that opened my eyes. Here's a tradition where the entirety, the foundation of it was for the benefit of all living beings. You know what? That worm on the ground is a, a living being. That opened my eyes. 
you see, because before that, a worm was just a worm. But clearly in this creation, someone created or somehow that worm got here. So it's important. And I couldn't see it until I knew that. And that's wholly about intent. So there it is. All right. Well, we still got two, I think, 15 more questions to get through. So I guess we're going to have to pick those up next week. All right. And next time we're going to go through some videos. And I just want to thank everybody. For the first night out of the gate, we had a pretty good showing. Um, what we'd like to do is build up a decent audience so that we can offer ideas that people can consider. And I'll say what I always say. Because we say a thing does not make it correct. And as a human being, it is your duty to challenge it. Try to rip a hole in it. Try to make it not authentic. That's what all information needs. And if you can make it not authentic or problematic or you can tear a hole in it, then you should not adopt it. But by the same token, uses of zetetic astronomy, by parallax, observation, then followed by it is or it isn't. That's all there is, man. That's all there is. Everything beyond that is nonsense. Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. This was a great first episode, I would say, Crow. All right, we anything else to add or are we wrapping up here? Well, join Crow and my or excuse me, Wayne and myself this Wednesday. We'll of course be doing our weekly live stream. Uh 50/50 chance Crow will be there because sometimes we hit on topics he likes, so you never know, but Wayne and I have to discuss that yet. And I'll post that as soon as possible. And of course, join us next week for the second Crow 777 live stream. And this week our new episode will be the actual first part of this Q&A that we were trying to get through, but well, there's just that many and we we promised to get through them all. <laughs> all right, there it is. And Rose, um, could you post a number in the YT chat telling us how we did on DLive, please? Um, that's the end of episode one. And again, thank you to all the contributions and each of you who contributed by simply being here, by bringing your mind here. Um, you know, there was, I don't know, 300 some. That's not bad for a first night. Um, so we truly appreciate it, and we'll do the best we can to bring the caliber of this Sunday night show, at least in the ballpark of our regular show. Um, but the truth is, there's just not enough time in a day. It's, it becomes nonstop research. But maybe our window isn't so big, and that's what we have to do for now. So there it is, man. Be good to each other. Cheers.
is the enemy of knowing. <laughs> 